What is going on, sports fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast presented by Anchor. And we've got an excellent loaded show for you today on this Saturday. We got NFL Week 2 recap, a Thursday Night Football Week recap of Week 3. We got a Week 3 preview and picks, college football scores, and much, much more. But first, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, creation tools, editing tools, everything you need to make your very own podcast is at anchor.fm or the free Anchor app. So if you have any interest in making your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app today. Today is Saturday, September 25th. Let's go. And welcome back in to Season 3, Episode 17 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast, presented by Anchor. Today is Saturday, September 25th, Week 2. We go to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, where Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones reminded everyone that the Green Bay Packers are for real. As we should have predicted following last week's shutout of the Packers, Rodgers has now been victorious in his last nine starts following a loss, throwing 24 touchdown passes and zero interceptions in those games. Three of those touchdowns were to Aaron Jones Monday night, making some Monday night football history. Green Bay's last dance isn't over just yet. As the Packers win, 35-17. We go to Baltimore where the Ravens and the Chiefs faced each other in an early game of the year candidate. I know it's only week two, but like Washington, Baltimore saved its season by winning a primetime thriller against a team that previously had its number. Lamar Jackson had a triple-double, his fifth career game with over 100 rushing yards and 200 passing yards. It earned him his first win at Kansas City's expense in four games. And the Ravens defense forced two late Chiefs turnovers, including Patrick Mahomes' first career interception in September. Even with the league leading 15 players in injured reserve, there's hope in Baltimore yet as the Ravens win 36-35. We go to Seattle where Tractorcito was running all over the Seahawks. This could have been a coronation for Seattle. Pete Carroll became the fourth man to coach an NFL team after age 70, and Russell Wilson could have become the third fastest quarterback to reach 100 career wins, but Derrick Henry stiff-armed all of that, and the reigning two-time rushing champ might just be the first player to top 2,000 rushing yards in back-to-back years, as the Titans win in overtime 33-30. We go to Los Angeles, where it was the America's team, the Cowboys, 
versus America's quarterback, Justin Herbert. What surprised me was Tony Pollard played much better than Ezekiel Elliott through two games. The Chargers defense held Dak Prescott without a touchdown. And Justin Herberts had an upside-down touchdown interception ratio in the first two weeks of the season. What I expected. Dallas played a virtual home game in Los Angeles in a city that has not embraced the Chargers yet. And Mike McCarthy is proving himself to be a pretty mediocre NFL head coach as the Cowboys win on a last-second field goal, 20-17. to We go to Tampa Bay where Tom Brady and death taxes and Tom Brady beating Atlanta. Those are the three guarantees in life. Forget the Super Bowl result as Matt Ryan says he has, but Brady is 9-0 against the Falcons in his career. Only the sixth quarterback to win that many games without a loss against a single opponent since 1950. Oh, and Tampa is the first team to tally nine straight games scoring over 30 points. The two teams to do it eight times, Brady's Patriots in 07 and 2011. This dude ain't human, as the Buccaneers win, 48-25. We go to Arizona, where Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins were feeling it, but the Vikings and Kirk Cousins had a chance to win it on a last-second field goal. For as bad a loss this was for Minnesota, the Vikings broadcast team took a bigger L with a missed call of Greg Joseph's missed field goal. The land of a thousand lakes will have a long season that feels like a thousand games. As the Vikings lose and the Cardinals win 34-33. We go to the Steel City where the Raiders took on the Steelers in a matchup of heavyweights in the NFL. I know the Raiders are, for the first time in their illustrious franchise history, off to a 2-0 start over a pair of playoff teams from the previous season. And they did it Sunday despite coming East on a short week to play a 1 p.m. kickoff game. But look at this stiff arm by Najee Harris. He had a good game as well. But in the end, Derek Carr found Henry Ruggs down the sideline, and the Raiders beat the banged up Steelers 26 17. We go to Philadelphia where the 49ers took on the Eagles. Now that is the Philly team I expected this season. What I didn't expect to see is former Washington star Ryan Kerrigan and Kelly Green playing for a defense that let Jimmy Garoppolo run in the end zone like, well, Trey Lance. With Brandon Graham likely done for the season, Kerrigan is about to play a much bigger role than expected as the 49ers win 17-11. We go to New England where it was the rookie quarterback versus Bill Belichick, and that never ends well. If Zach Wilson was feeling whiplash after his debut, he should be screaming over his neck and his back after completing as many passes to the Patriots in his first 10 passes as he did to his own team. Welcome to the NFL, kid. Good luck not seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold. And welcome to Groundhog Day. You can, you can change the quarterback, change the coaches, change the uniform. It doesn't matter. New England has 11 straight wins over the Jets to match the longest active win streak over a single opponent with no end in sight. As the Patriots win, 25-6. We go to Miami where it was a matchup between two AFC East favorites. But the Buffalo Pitchers first shutout of the 2021 season. And first shutout of the Dolphins since 1966. On a day in which Tua Tagovailoa suffered another tough injury. It's hard not to think that this is a game that inspires the Dolphins to bet the farm on Deshaun Watson. No matter how much off-field issues are swirling around him. As the Bills roll 35 to nothing. 
No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. We go to... If this would load, we would go to the next... <laughs> we go to the next game here. We go to Indianapolis, where the Rams took on the Colts. And Carson Wentz was feeling the pain against Aaron Donald as he twisted not one, but both of his ankles and exited the game. Matthew Stafford filled up his cup to the tune of Cooper Cup finding the end zone twice as the Rams win 27-24. We go to Cleveland where the Texans and Tyrod Taylor were looking to have a revenge game against a franchise that put in Baker Mayfield over him. But the Browns had a full chub and they would not let it go to waste as Baker Mayfield found Demetric Feltman a 33-yard screen pass, and he went into the spin cycle and got the Browns one of their touchdowns. But then the, the Texans were not done as Tyrod Taylor exited with an injury, and Davis Mills came in and found Brandon Cooks, who was cooking up trouble for the Browns' defense as the Texans cut the lead to 24-21. But late in the game, the Browns give it to their workhorse, Nick Chubb, who scampered 31 yards untouched into the, into the end zone for the touchdown, and the Browns win 31-21. We go to Carolina, where we're standing on a corner, Jameis Winston down in NOLA, but it was not a fine sight to see, as the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold didn't play particularly well, but they played well enough, and they win this one 26-7. We finish in Washington, where the Washington football team took on the New York football giants on Thursday night football. And man, oh man, what a game it was. Dan Danny Dimes looked like a fast quarterback running all over the Washington defense and finding his receivers for a couple touchdowns. But in the end, Taylor Heineke marched his team down the field and Hopkins split the uprights for the game-winning field goal. As the Washington football team win, 30-29. to 29. Week 2 of the NFL season is in the books. And that was the fastest 5 minutes in football presented by Anchor. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Creation tools, editing tools, everything you need to make your very own podcast. Anchor, Anchor, Anchor. Go to Anchor.fm to make your very own podcast today. And week two had a lot of surprises in the NFL season, just like week three did. But I don't know, man. I was not expecting some of the results to happen like they did in week two. And we're going to go right into our week three picks right after we talk about these week two games for just a minute. So the Browns, let's start with the Browns. We always start with the Browns. That's how this podcast rolls. The Browns look good on Sunday. <clears throat> they look good. Um, they won 31-21, I mentioned. Baker Mayfield went out with an injury early in, late in the second quarter. I thought he was done for the season. I, it looks like he broke his collarbone, but the good news is he did not break his collarbone. He just banged up his shoulder. They popped it back in. Baker came out. He leads the league in completion percentage through the first two weeks. That is a very good sign. The running game is working. Nick Chubb, I think, is the best running back in the fourth quarter, like, late in games, as his, like, yards per carry in the fourth quarter is absolutely crazy. But 
Some bad news for the Browns from this game, too. The defense didn't look that good. They didn't have many sacks. They were not allowed to, they were not able to pressure this rookie quarterback, Davis Mills, or Tyrod Taylor throughout the first, throughout the whole game. And Tyrod Taylor, when he was in those first two drives, the Texans were getting anything they wanted, like literally anything they wanted. And people were calling for Joe Woods' head on Twitter. Um, luckily, Grant Delpit and Greg Newsom, the two rookie players, uh, they made some big plays down the stretch, and the Browns were able to hold on. Some other bad news for the Browns is they they are pretty banged up. Is Jarvis Landry went down with an MCL sprain, I believe, and he is going to miss the next three weeks at least because they put him on injured reserve. So the Browns will be without Jarvis Landry this week. But the good news for the Browns is they do get Odell Beckham Jr. back from injury this week. He will be taking the field for the first time since week seven of last season this Sunday against the Bears. But overall, a win is a win. I don't think the Browns played perfectly, yet they still won by 10 points. The same old Browns would have lost that game. These new competitive Super Bowl aspiration Browns led by the most accurate quarterback in the NFL with the best running game in the NFL, with the best offensive line in the NFL, with great weapons around him, with a defense that is up and coming that still needs to play together a couple weeks. The Browns, that those Browns won this game and I expect the Browns to keep getting better and to keep gelling together on offense and on defense throughout this season, starting this week with Chicago. Some other games I wanted to highlight. How about the we gotta talk about the Ravens and the Chiefs, man, because I uh, hand up, I thought once the Chiefs lost Marcus Peters, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards, that the Ravens were not even gonna make the playoffs. They still could not make the playoffs, but I just forgot about how dynamic of a playmaker Lamar Jackson is and how Lamar Jackson, when he is on the field, can change the outcome of a game if he's on your team. That's on me. I don't know how I forgot that considering how he's played against the Browns in his career. That Monday Night Football game last year, the Ravens had no business winning that game. No business. And when Lamar Jackson ran out of the locker room like Superman, they won that game because he is a playmaker and he is a dynamic, dynamic player in this league. And I don't know. I don't want to say that the Ravens kind of have the blueprint game to beat the Chiefs, but they kind of did. You know what they did? They locked in on Tyreek Hill. They said, hey, Mahomes, you can throw to Kelsey. You can throw to all the other guys, but we are going to lock down Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill only had 19 yards on Sunday night. 19 yards. That is not that much at all. And Travis Kelsey had, had, had a good game. Mahomes, of course, did his thing, but he made a mistake. He threw an interception. At the end of the game, the Chiefs were driving to try and tie the game. And he, they handed the ball off. And part of the reason I think they handed the ball off is because of how great the Ravens' defense was playing against Tyreek Hill. So the blueprint to beat the Chiefs, key in on Tyreek Hill and run the dang football. You saw the Browns do it in the first half against the Chiefs. They were up big because of that. They just couldn't stop Tyreek Hill. If you put both of those pieces together, the Chiefs are a beatable football team because they can't stop the run and because Mahomes only relies on Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And if you take away one of those options, like we saw on Sunday night, the Kansas City Chiefs are a beatable football team. Another game I want to talk about, let's see. Um, 
let's talk about the Raiders and the Steelers because this Raiders team is so confusing for a fan to watch. And if you're a fan of the Las Vegas Raiders, I feel bad for you because through the first eight weeks of the season, you're going to look like the best team in the NFL. It happened last year. They went into Arrowhead last year, beat the Chiefs. Everybody thought the Chiefs were going to go undefeated. They beat the Chiefs. They almost beat them again, and they still didn't make the playoffs. This season, they beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football in a thrilling overtime win, and they go to Pittsburgh against a great defense in the Steelers, and Derek Carr throws all over them. With that being said, I still don't think the Raiders are in a good position to make a playoff run this season. The Steelers, on the other hand, I don't know, man. Let me, let me have a water break, and I'll tell you why I'm not so sure about the Steelers. All right, so the reason I'm not so sure about the Steelers is because Big Ben man, Ben Roethlisberger, looks old. He looks old. He can't make – he can't throw the ball downfield. He misses wide open receivers. I don't know, and he's slow. That's the main thing. Whenever, if you get the slightest amount of pressure on Big Ben, he's going to go down. He can't evade people like he used to. And I love Najee Harris. I love Claypool. I love them as players. I love some of the things this Steelers offense can do. But I think they need someone else at the helm if they want to win the Super Bowl this season. The defense is fantastic, but they did have some injuries. Alulu, their defensive end, broke his ankle. He's out for an extended period of time. TJ Watt exited with a groin injury. Don't know how long he will be out. That's another thing to watch. But this Steelers team, I picked him to win last week. I don't know if I'm going to do it this week. We'll see. But other than that, everything kind of went ex- according to how I expected. So far this season, I'm 19 and 14 on our picks. I've picked 76% of the games right. So if you guys aren't listening to me yet, you probably should. And that's a pretty good segue to our NFL Week 3 picks. Let's get to our Week 3 picks presented by Anchor. So Week 3 already started on Thursday night, and I got my pick on Thursday night right. I picked the Carolina Panthers over the Houston Texans, and the Panthers did win. Sam Darnold looks good. Without Adam Gase and without the New York Jets. And kudos to Sam Darnold. I always thought the dude could play. Christian McCaffrey went down with an injury for the Panthers. That's a little bit concerning. But hey, you look at the Panthers led by Matt Rule. Led by Sam Darnold. They got some nice pieces on that offense. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, McCaffrey when he's healthy. Chubba Hubbard is a backup running back. He's a good backup running back. I like Matt Rule. Their defense is nice sometimes. They can do some things on defense. And they're beating the teams on their schedule. I know you can say they had an easy schedule. They played the Jets, the Saints, and the and the Texans through the first three weeks. But, hey, they're 3-0. They're beating the teams they're supposed to. And kudos to them for that. All right, first game of week three, Washington versus Buffalo. I got to go with the Bills in this one. Um, I do like Washington's team. Taylor Heineke can ball. He's a good backup quarterback. He will hold down the fort in Washington while Fitzmagic is out with the injury. But Josh Allen is too good. That Bills team just all together is too good. And 
if the if the Washington defense, the vaunted Washington defense, let Daniel Jones throw and run all over them, just imagine what Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs can do. So I'm going to go with the Bills. Browns and Bears, and the big storyline from this game for Chicago, Justin Fields' first career NFL start against the Browns. I love Justin Fields. I loved him when he, when he was at Ohio State. I'm rooting for the kid now, but I can't root for him on Sunday, obviously. I think it should open up the Bears to do more on offense, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. I think he still is a rookie quarterback. The Browns do have a top pass rush with Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. I think the defense makes some plays. They make it tough on the Bears. I think it'll be a close game. I think Baker is going to have to test this Bears secondary and throw the ball down the field to Odell Beckham Jr., Anthony Schwartz, all the receivers the Browns got. And I think even without Jarvis Landry, the Browns will be able to pass the ball on the Bears defense. They will be able to run the ball. And I think the Browns edge out the Bears by a score of 31-24. to Seven-point win for the Browns. Ravens and the Lions in Detroit could be a little bit of a, a little bit of a letdown game for the Ravens after the big win against the Chiefs, but I want to pick the Lions, but I'm going to pick the Ravens. I, I think Lamar Jackson's too good to let this Lions defense beat him. Tennessee for a big AFC South matchup between the Colts and the Titans. Not sure what Carson Wentz status is going to be. I don't know if Carson Wentz is out officially. I mentioned in the fastest five minutes in football, he did twist both of his ankles or sprain both of his ankles, which kind of sucks. But after seeing the Titans last week, they're getting their mojo back. Julio Jones had a fantastic game. Ryan Tannehill was thrown to his receivers. Derrick Henry is that dude. And I can't pick the Colts against the Titans team that finally looked like the team I thought they would this season. Chiefs Chargers in Kansas City. Because it's in Kansas City, I'll pick the Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes don't lose back-to-back games. If it was in L.A., I would pick the Chargers. But since it's in Kansas City, I'll go with the Chiefs in this one. The Patriots versus the Saints. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. That's toughy. Mac Jones or Jameis Winston? Bill Belichick or Sean Payton? It's weird seeing these two teams play on the field and not seeing Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. With that being said, I like the Patriots' defense. I like the Patriots' offense. I like that they, I like that they've created an offense where Mac Jones can be a game manager. And as a rookie quarterback, he doesn't feel like he has to do too much to win the game on his own. I think Jameis Winston is going to make mistakes against this Patriots defense. And I think the Patriots will win this game in Foxborough. A matchup between two 0-2 teams. We got the New York football Giants versus the Atlanta Falcons. Hmm. This is a tough one to pick because I've I've actually gotten to watch both these teams play this year. I watched a little bit of that Thursday night game last week between the football team and the Giants. And I watched Sunday a little bit of the Falcons game against the Buccaneers. The Falcons offense is not bad. Matt Ryan still, I think, has a little bit left in the tank. 
Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. They still got some playmakers. The Giants, on the other hand, they have playmakers too. Daniel Jones is a good dual threat quarterback. He's not a great or good quarterback, but when you add his add in his running ability, he's a good dual threat guy. It's in New York. It's in. I mean, excuse me. It's in New Jersey. I'll go with the Giants at home to win their first game of the year. Upset pick of the week is here. Here's my upset pick of the week. I mentioned it when we were talking about the Steelers. I'm going to take the Bengals over the Steelers. I like Joe Burrow. I like the Cincinnati offense. I like the connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. They got a lot of weapons on that offense. And since the Steelers team is so banged up, it would not shock me to see the Bengals go into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers at Heinz Field. So I'm going to go with the Bengals on the road in my upset pick of the week. I believe in Joe Burrow. I believe in what Cincinnati's building over there. And I think the Bengals will show that this week against a banged-up Steelers team. My lock of the week is here. Cardinals over the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has looked bad through two games. And I think it's because the college adjustment to the NFL is not as easy as everybody thinks it is. But... Man, oh, man, he does not look like a good quarterback. And Urban Meyer, I don't know if this NFL thinks for him. Urban Meyer, before the game against the Broncos last Sunday, was caught saying to Vic Vangio, oh, playing in the NFL is like playing Alabama every week. Yeah, dude, they're professional football players. They get paid to play football. You don't have Purdue or Northwestern every week like you did in the Big Ten. You have Real football players, big professional football players, all world football players, week in and week out. And him saying that to Vic Bangio before that Broncos game made me think, dude, were you not expecting this when you signed that contract? Were you expecting to play Purdue or, I don't know, Akron every week? No. You're going to get Alabama and USC and Oklahoma and LSU every week. In the NFL. I do love the Cardinals offense. I love what they're doing on their offense. Kyler Murray might overtake Russell Wilson as the most unpredictable, wizardly electric player in football in terms of like making something out of nothing. Lamar Jackson is very good at that too. But Kyler Murray, man, looks like straight out of a video game. And he's got great, great playmakers around him. DeAndre Hopkins. Rondale Moore from Purdue had a great touchdown on Sunday. Chase Edmonds, they got a loaded team in Arizona, and I think they're going to roll over the Jaguars this week. Jets, Broncos in Denver, and that spells bad news for the Jets. Teddy Bridgewater revenge game. Zach Wilson coming off a bad game, apparently has a groin injury. I think this will be a high-scoring game, surprisingly. But <clears throat> I like the Broncos to get it done. Raiders, Dolphins. If Tua was in, I'd pick the Dolphins. But Tua is out, so I'll pick Gruden and the Raiders. Buccaneers, Rams. I wouldn't count this as, as an upset pick of the week, but I'm gonna. It's gonna be an upset pick of the week. I'm gonna pick the Buccaneers. 
of the Buccaneers. <laughs> the Buccaneers over the Rams on the road on uh, America's Game of the Week. Tom Brady, an underdog? I don't think so. I think the Buccaneers are going to win this game on the road against the Rams. The Rams are a good team, don't get me wrong. With Matthew Stafford, with Cooper Cup, with Robert Woods, with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and all those cats on the defense. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. They have so many weapons. Mike Evans, Gronk, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette. And they got dudes on that defense too. And I like the Buccaneers as a whole better than the Rams on Sunday night. Uh, Seahawks, Vikings. This is a little bit of an upset. I'm going to take the Vikings at home. Um, the Vikings played well last week. It might not look like it on the scoreboard, but they were in that game against the Cardinals, and they were in that game week one against the Bengals. They lost two last-second games. And I think at home, their first time at home this season, they will have enough to get it done against the Seattle Seahawks, a team who got run all over last week by Derrick Henry. I think they get run all over this week by Dalvin Cook. Last two games here, Packers at 49ers. I think a lot of people are picking the 49ers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to carve up that 49ers defense. And I think the Packers on Sunday Night Football are going to win this game and show everybody that they are for real this season. And then Monday Night Football, give me the Cowboys at home over the Eagles. So those are my week three NFL picks. We, of course, will update you with our record. Right now we're 19-14 and 14 on the season for 76%. I'll tell you how we did next week when the time comes. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, college football scores. There are some games going on right now. Also predict some of the later games in college football window. We also got some MLB clinching updates and much, much more. Don't go anywhere. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 17 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Let's start with college football. So the 12 o'clock games across the country in college football have kicked off. It's 1247 Eastern time right now as I'm recording this. So we'll go around, talk about the scores, my reactions to the to the 12 o'clock game so far, and then preview the rest of the games for the college football slate today. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. We're going to start with the biggest game of the 12 o'clock game, but I just saw one of the scores and... Throw in the dang towel is all I have to say about that. Whoa. All right. We're going to start with Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Um, It's probably the biggest game. It's where college game day was today. They're playing each other at Soldier Field. I would pick the Fighting Irish in this matchup, but Wisconsin's up 3-0 right now at the end of the first quarter. The reason I picked Notre Dame, I like their playmakers. I like Jack Cohn, their quarterback. It's a revenge game for him against Wisconsin, his former team. I like their running back. I believe his name is Kyle Williams, or that might be their, yeah, Williams is their running back. What's his, what's his name, though? I don't want to butcher it. Kyron, Kyron Williams. And then they have a, a safety named Hamilton, who is going to be a top five draft pick. And he is absolutely so fun to watch. I watched that Notre Dame-Florida State game in week one, and he had a play where he ran across the field to get an interception. He's a great player. So I think those three playmakers make more plays down the stretch than Wisconsin's playmakers, and that's why I like the Fighting Irish in this matchup. 
The reason I said whoa and I said throw in the dang towel is because Georgia is playing Vanderbilt right now. And Georgia is already up with 119 left in the first quarter. They're winning 35 to nothing. So if you're doing the math with me at home, they're on pace to win 140 to nothing after the first quarter. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. JT Daniels, Georgia's quarterback, 9 for 10, 129, 129 yards, two touchdowns already in the first quarter. That is blasphemous. Vanderbilt, I know they're technically in the SEC, but man, oh man, they look like an FCS team at times. Penn State is up 14 to 3 on Villanova. Uh, Penn State has catapulted themselves into the top 10 because of how well they played this far this season. And honestly, good for Penn State. Uh, Clifford's a good quarterback. They got some good playmakers. I think James Franklin is a good football coach, and we'll see if they can get it done against Villanova. I fully expect them to. But shout out to Villanova going in there and playing Penn State in Happy Valley. Is that all the games that is happening right now? Oh, that's all the games happening in the top 25 right now. Let's see if there's any other like important games happening outside the top 25. We'll just we'll just take a look and see. Um Yeah, this is kind of an important game. LSU and Mississippi State. LSU's up 7-0 right now. They're at Mississippi State. LSU looking for a big SEC win. They're 2 and 1 so far this season. So that'll be one to watch as well. Bowling Green taking on Minnesota. Minnesota only up 3-0 on Bowling Green. That's a little bit surprising considering how well Minnesota played against Ohio State. Elsewhere, Texas is up 14-0 against Texas Tech. Right now, I think Texas will win this game. And other than that, those are the big scores around the country at, for the noon games. In the top 25, the rest of the day, let's talk about the Buckeyes. They welcome the Akron Zips into the, the horseshoe tonight. The line in that game, just in case you're wondering, wondering, Ohio State is favored by 48.5 points. <laughs> that is a lot of points, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think Akron's going to cover the spread. I've watched Akron going to Kent State. I've watched Akron. They're not a very good football team. They've won two games in the last three seasons. But there is a little bit of uncertainty, I would say, for Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, their quarterback, will only be available tonight in emergency capacity, Ryan Day announced the other day, as they will play quarterbacks Kyle McCord, the five-star recruit from Pennsylvania. He's a sophomore. I'm excited to watch the kid play. And Jack Miller, who's also another highly recruited player. So big opportunity for those two in number 10 Ohio State. For them to prove maybe they are the two that give Ohio State the best chance to win. If they go out there and ball out tonight, I guarantee you Ryan Day will not come out right away next week and say C.J. Stroud is the starter going forward. They got great weapons, the Buckeyes. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave could win the Heisman Trophy at receiver. But hey, their biggest weapon is Travion Henderson, the freshman running back. Last week had 277 yards on 24 carries and three touchdowns. He broke Archie Griffin's rookie rushing, not rookie, freshman rushing record. And Ohio State still could win the national championship this season if they run the table. But if they want to do that, they're going to have to put 
themselves on the shoulders of their running back, Travion Henderson, if they want to do so. But I don't think they will have any trouble with the Akron Zips tonight. But hey, I wouldn't mind seeing a Mac school beat a Big Ten school. And that transitions us to our next game, Kent State versus Maryland at 3.30. I talked to Coach Lewis this week, and for some reason I got that magic feeling in the air that something is going to go right for Kent State today. There's going to be some fluke plays. There's going to be some turnovers, some big plays by Kent State. And I think the golden flashes are going to go into Maryland, into College Park. They're going to shock Tolia Tagaviola and the 3-0 Maryland Terrapins, who are looking ahead to a matchup with Iowa next week. And Kent State's going to win on a last-second field goal, 27-26. Kent State has playmakers. Dustin Crum, their quarterback, all-in-act quarterback. They have seven different players in Week 2 score rushing touchdowns for them. Montre Miller on the defense is a dog who can force turnovers. They lead the league in force turnovers. They lead the, they lead the MAC in rushing yards per game. Kent State is a good football team. Today, I think they show that and shock the world against the Maryland Terrapins. Let's go to some other big top 25 matchups. Probably the biggest one of the day is at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, between Texas A&M and Arkansas. A&M is favored by four and a half, but <clears throat> I think I would pick Arkansas in this matchup. Arkansas's running uh, quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, is electric. 632 yards and four touchdowns on the season so far. I think I trust that Arkansas defense to just make it tough for Texas A&M's new quarterback. I think Arkansas gets the upset at AT&T Stadium. Clemson is taking on North Carolina State today. Clemson didn't look that great against Georgia Tech last week. <clears throat> I don't know how good DJ Uyangalele is. With that being said, I still like Clemson in this matchup, but I think it'll be closer than a lot of people a lot of people think. A battle of undefeateds at the big house in the Big Ten between 3-0 Rutgers and 3-0 Michigan. <clears throat> The line is 20 and a half, and Michigan is favored by that much. I think Rutgers is going to make this a game. But I think Michigan has too much talent to let themselves lose to Rutgers. But hey, I've been wrong in the past about Michigan. I thought they would be good. I think Michigan should be near the top every season. But for some reason, they're just not. We'll see if that if they can continue to play winning football. But I don't know how confident I am in Jim Harbaugh and Michigan at this point. Tennessee and Florida in the SEC. <clears throat> Florida looked great last week against Alabama. They looked fantastic. Um, they were within a two-point conversion of tying that game in Gainesville. I think they're going to roll against Tennessee today. Their running game is great, Florida's, and they're a well-coached team, and I think they should be, they're, they're a dark horse contender to make the college football playoff. And Arizona and Oregon, number three, Oregon versus Arizona. I think Oregon is going to roll in that one. And I think that about does it for our college football preview this week. Any other scores to update you on? Notre Dame has a fourth and one in Wisconsin territory right now. <clears throat> Let's see how they did. Sorry I keep clearing my throat, guys. I just don't want to sound like a, 
like Patrick Mahomes or Kermit the Frog <laughs> the whole time I'm doing this podcast. But don't worry, I'm not sick. I'm good. Just, uh, you know, allergies and all that stuff. All right, let's talk about the MLB a little bit. Um, the MLB season is coming down to the end. It's the last week of the season. Um, and there are some – the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays clinched the American League uh, – clinched the playoff berth. They didn't clinch their division. The White Sox clinched the American League Central. And the Astros are three games away from clinching the American League West. In the National League, the Brewers clinched the playoff berth. The Dodgers and the Giants have both uh, clinched the playoff berth. The Dodgers are the first team, uh, not the Dodgers, the Giants are the first team to 100 wins in the league. Things have gotten very interesting in the NL East. MVP candidate Bryce Harper has led the surging Phillies to only one and a half games back of the Braves in the National League East. And that is a race to keep an eye on. The other race to keep an eye on, the American League wild card standings. The Yankees and the Red Sox are playing each other this weekend at Fenway in an absolutely enormous series as they both hold the top wild card spots right now. But Seattle is two games back. Toronto is two games back. So anything can happen if the Yankees keep winning, if the Red Sox win these next two games, the American League wildcard race is one to tune in on. I still would pick the Red Sox and the Yankees to make it out of the American League wildcard race. And in the National League East, I would pick the Phillies to beat the Braves just because I'm a big Bryce Harper believer and I love watching him play. And I think the, I would love to see him in, in the playoffs once again. Before we go, let's talk about why I recorded this episode on a Saturday. And that's because I was so busy this week with school and work and my work with the Rubber Ducks. And that transition, uh, transitions us to our next topic. The Akron Rubber Ducks are the 2021 AA Northeast League champions. I had a great experience interning with the Rubber Ducks this season. I was a part of the production team. I got to do cool things like play walk-up music, play like hype music, play get the crowd pumped up by playing music, do some stats for the Rubber Ducks, do some cameras for the Rubber Ducks, all things like that. I did a lot for them this season, and it was a fantastic season, and it ended in a championship last night. And I can honestly say that last night's championship game for the Rubber Ducks was one of the best ever sporting events I've ever been to. The Rubber Ducks went down into the bottom of the eighth inning, down five to nothing. And everybody in the press box, all my coworkers were like, oh no, we got to win this game. They get two runs on an error, a throwing error. They get two more runs on a base hit. It's five to four going into the bottom of the ninth. Bottom of the ninth, Will Brennan hits up, no doubt about it, home run 430 feet. At that point, I'm going wild. Everybody in the press box was screaming like the Rubber Ducks employee. We were going crazy. Then the the other team, the Bowie Bay Sox, they had, they had a great season. But the Rubber Ducks, they were just, there's something about this Rubber Ducks team. They had that cardiac kids feel to them. They walked the bases loaded to face Bo Naylor. Naylor was 0 for 17 in the playoffs up until last night. And he hits a walk-off double. A walk-off double. It was so incredible. Everybody in 
all my like coworkers, we started like high fiving, and we were just so happy we got to be a part of a championship winning season for the Rubber Ducks. And here's how that walk off hit sounded for the Rubber Ducks yesterday, courtesy of Rubber Ducks broadcaster Marco Lanave. Here's how it sounded. One zero. Naylor lines it to right. That wins the championship for the Rubber Ducks. Bo Naylor, the walk-off hit, and Akron takes it home in 2021. They mob Naylor in right center. The Rubber Ducks at Canal Park win it. 6-5. They sweep the Bowie Bay Sox. They're champions of the AA Northeast. And you can hear the emotion in his voice, and I can guarantee you everybody in that ballpark was feeling that same emotion during that game. It was a lot. Uh, I've got, like I said, I got to do like walk up music and like play like crowd prompt music this season for them. Yesterday, the crowd brought the energy, they were so loud. I had to turn the volume up on like the sound system so loud. And like, I felt so important making the crowd make some noise. Like, when the bases loaded at the end and Bo Naylor was coming up to the plate, I played Crazy Train, so it was like, all aboard, ha, 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 ha. And the crowd started cheering, started chanting. It was really fun, and I felt like I was a part of the action playing that music. And if you guys want to work in sports, like if you're listening to this, you definitely should work in sports because I don't know where else, what other profession you could feel the magic like you could last night at Canal Park. And it was a great internship this season. I'm so glad I got to intern with them, and it was a great experience for me. And I just wanted to shout out the Rubber Ducks and talk a little bit about last night's game and about my internship experience as a whole. And that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we'll be back na- early next week. I'll do one earlier next week with a week three week three recap and a week four preview. So be on the lookout for that. Follow the podcast podcast on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. That's at J O T Sports Pod. Enjoy the weekend in football. Do something nice for each other. And please stay safe, everybody. And I thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side next week. I've been Jack Bernie, signing off.